This episode of the Andrew Price Podcast was brought to you by Polygon, helping you make better renders faster in whatever software you use. Sign up at polygon.com. Now, of course, this podcast is back from an unannounced hiatus. Um, yeah, basically that video that just went up on my channel, the uh, the fastest render engine is, it was the big render engine comparison video that, uh, yeah, as I said, took two years to make. And uh, we were nearing the end and I thought like, oh, I got a podcast to do, but we really got to do this video. And then uh, it just kept getting delayed and delayed because of course, big projects, you think you're almost at the end and then it's not. Anyways, who cares about any of that? We got someone cool on the podcast today. It's none other than Jama Jurabave, who is a concept artist and art director who has worked on, well, some of the biggest movie titles in the industry. He's currently working at Lucas Films, so he most recently did some of the, well, a lot of the sets on The Mandalorian. Um, but he's also worked on franchises like Jurassic World and Ready Player One, plus a whole bunch of honestly original IP in his uh, portfolio, which is just, his stuff is beautiful. Honestly, as one of the artists to study, if you're looking for like reference of like who gets it in terms of concept design and all that, Jama is one of them. So check out his portfolio if you haven't already. Uh, and as if that wasn't enough, he also sells tutorial on Gumroad where he explains how to use Blender to help build worlds faster. In fact, you might remember if you saw it, um, he actually did a presentation at the Blender conference called Blender Workflow for Feature Films. Check that out if you wanna see he basically explains why he uses grease pencil and how it helps him, you know, designing 3D and reduce the production time. And it's really cool. So check out that video if you haven't already. But yeah, he's got like tutorial courses on there. He's like one of the top artists in the industry and he's selling his like workflows for like 30 bucks each. It's a, it's a steal, I tell you, a steal. Um, he also sells and develops Blender add-ons, which he creates purely because he wants to use them himself so that he can design stuff as well. So that's on his gum road. And as if that wasn't enough, he's also created a company called Big Medium Small, which sells packs of honestly, some of the highest resolution, high quality fantasy models for concept art. And they look just like amazing up close, far away. They're just beautiful. So yeah, he's, uh, he's an artist who can do many things. He's really good at this, that and business. So um, we talk about all of that stuff. Um, we discuss among many things like how he went from Tajikistan, which is where he was born to working on some of the biggest movies, uh, what to study if you want to be a concept artist, effective practice, creating better designs, whether AI will replace our jobs. Um, we talk about the NVIDIA canvas tool that uses AI and everything and what that means for concept art, why Russians are so innovative in art and much, much more. Uh, as always, the best stuff is usually towards the end. That's usually how conversations go, um, but I'm sure you will enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Jama Jurabave. So born in Tajikistan, how does exactly. somebody go from Tajikistan to first of all, get yeah. interested in the arts to then yeah. working at some of the top studios in the world on the coolest project. I will visually illustrate it. I was just turning around slightly and you can see a lot of gray air. Like I'm just putting <laughs> one out. But my, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going pray like Gandalf mode like these days. It's, it gets grayer and grayer every year. <laughs> I, it was difficult. Man, it was difficult. Uh, I, and also I, I originally I went into engineering. I did aerospace engineering when I was starting out my career. So I think like okay. I started getting into this computer sort of digital art 
towards like when I was in my mid twenties. So I, I I wasted a lot of time basically doing some other stuff. But it's a life experience, you know. I never uh, sort of regret of doing different other things. And also, obviously, being in Tajikistan was quite difficult, you know, because there's a lot of obstacles that people sometimes don't even think of, you know. Like there's like. Thanks God we don't have sanctions and stuff. But I get a lot of messages from, for example, people around the world, like Iran and countries like that. Those guys can't even buy a tutorial from you. Like those official, oh, like those. Oh right. Yeah. PayPal won't won't do business with it. Nothing. Yeah, nothing works. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I do my best to help right. those guys. But uh, but recently I got this guy. Man, it was so funny. He literally messaged me like, and I don't want to name anyone, but. He was like, "Hey, dude, like, I, I'm, I'm from Iran. I, I can't afford your tutorial. So basically, I'm just letting you know that I'm gonna torrent your stuff." I was like, "Sure, do you have my permission? Go for it." That's that's honest, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's lovely. yeah. So he was literally asking me a permission, the permission to uh, let him uh, grab it from somewhere else, and, and, I, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot me. of and, and, and just yeah. quick, quick contest for listener context yeah. for listeners. Uh, you're you're working at a concept studio, but you're also you've got like business on the side where you're selling tutorials. You've also got mm-hmm. big, medium, small, which we'll get into selling models and packs mm-hmm. and plugins for Blender. Um, yeah. So you're you're working. F- is it full time at uh, Lucasfilm? Yeah. Well, uh, yes, yes. And then as well as that, you're managing this your own little enterprise on the side, which is mm-hmm. a feat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the beauty with freelance sort of life, you can uh choose when you want to work you know so it's like i usually allocate some time uh for different things and again it's it's tough it needs a lot of attention and uh, time consuming but uh i'm I'm happy where i am right now it's 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 very interesting yeah that's great (laughs) so uh going back to Tajikistan, so you so you grew up in a country that obviously has I assume not much of an arts industry, correct? No, not at all. So what, well, what, we, do, do, you, do you remember what it was? Like, can you recall a moment in your life that you were like mm-hmm. interested in arts and what was it? That- well, I guess I've been interested in art uh, or I would I was just interested in what I was seeing. Like I, I watched movies uh, when I was a kid and, you know, I was actually born in proper Soviet Union. So the Soviet Union collapsed in the early 90s and I, I was pretty conscious by that. Wow. And I remember it was quite uh, tricky, like, just like, and then like obviously you wouldn't have like uh, cinemas showing films. It was all all on on those pirated video VHS yeah, cassettes, right. right? Okay. And I, I remember seeing movies, and I was mind blown. Damn, those people come up with these really great, crazy, cool things. And I've been just drawing, just copying like Terminators, Terminators, Robocops, and all that stuff. But yeah. again, this is, and also we had civil war in me. 90s so i mean when the countries in wow. civil war art and art related things are just like the last thing people prioritize right so and i actually never thought it would be something that i could actually could become like a real profession you know to do so that's why i actually in 97 i went to turkey to mm-hmm. study this aerospace engineering yeah which i did six and a half years of doing and i lived uh, overall, I lived 10 years in Turkey. So again, like these days, whenever people ask me where I'm from, I'm so lost. Like I lost my sense of which country. I mean, Tajikistan is is like motherland for me. It's like something somewhere I was born and lived for a while. But I think at early, at very early stage, I decided there's so much to explore. So I decided 
not to get attached to things too too much you know so mm. i i love my country but also i lived in turkey for i love turkey now it's been almost 10 years me being here in the uk so i love this country too it's weird it's this this this, this like these days are so weird because you can basically be anywhere you want and keep exploring instead of like spending your whole life in one country and not traveling you know i mean it's obvious for a lot of people but yeah. it kind of dramatically changed in recent decades i would say mm. decades so uh yeah i think we're just... seeing this the, the start of it right like developing mm. nations the the kids we're seeing people that have grown up on the internet people in india etc and they've had mm. access to education on youtube mm. and now mm. they've got crypto that they could get paid in there's all these new mm -hmm. things that are sort of on the cusp that i think yeah. is uh it's it's huge it's huge for the developing world it, and it is it, it, and again like with with teaching aspect of it you know when i was trying to get into industry again only because of internet i was able to do anything because in those countries you don't have many people interested in that obviously no institutions teaching it so yeah. the only way to learn this was by just learning someone someone else's tutorials online and it's it's great i mean I don't mind. I I do understand that some people literally cannot afford even for ten bucks. They cannot afford a tutorial. And I, in numerous occasions, I will, people will just get in touch and say, "Hey, I'm a student. I can't afford. I'll just send them a link. So feel free yeah. to use it." Nice. And it's amazing. By the that way, we you're gonna some... get a lot more of that after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people didn't realize probably. that was an option. <laughs> so I I don't mind. Listen, and uh, the problem is like, I think like. It's it's weird. Like I'll share like a very weird experience. I see sometimes online people going like, back in the days people used complain used to complain. Oh, there are not many tutorials out there. But these days, I, a couple of times I saw people say, oh, there's just too much, too many of them. Yes, right? it's the it's opposite like, problem. Oh, now we yeah, got yeah, which is true. But then again, I, I I especially making tutorials. I think making tutorials is the most stressful thing for me personally because when I work. On client work it's either you nail it or you fail like it's just mm -hmm. very straightforward but with tutorials it's almost like you're making a movie you know people expect a masterpiece yes. from you in tutorial right and that's it's great creates again i got used to this pressure but uh i think like early in early days of my sort of tutorial uh, making process I realized I do this for people who really need this knowledge you know some people will go oh, I knew this why, why why do I need to pay for this like why are you selling this well I do this for people who don't know it and you they want to learn it mm. and I, I can see that in, uh, in in myself right like if I see a tutorial which is on Gumroad for like $30 and I really need that knowledge I will just go and buy it because I know this person spent some time coming up with the tutorial then the tutorial doesn't need to be perfect you know like it's not like no that's right it just needs to give it gives me like some sort of understanding and stuff like that so i yeah. I, I think like uh, having this affordable platform for tutorials and assets and materials textures is fantastic and also on top of that i truly believe that this is a great way to actually let users to monetize whatever they they know or they want to share you know because we are so used to have these big companies who which i totally don't mind either right mm -hmm. but for example let's say you're using a a software which is owned by a big company you're basically paying directly to them but then you have this 
just really smart people who coming up with all these add-ons and crazy things, you know, and then uh, giving them, basically supporting them directly drives them to create new things. And it's almost like a snowballing effect and they keep coming with the better and better things and stuff like that. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think, by the way, going back to that, you mentioned about, you know, $30 for a tutorial, like that is such, I don't think people, especially the younger people realize how much of a steal that is to like going from like universities, which is like minimum. It's like to graduate, what is it? 90, hundred something thousand dollars mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. like, you can actually get top mm -hmm. people working in the industry going, this is mm -hmm. a full workflow for, mm -hmm. you know, the price of a meal is insane. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's that, such, that, it's never been a better time to be an artist that's right true. now. Same goes with add-ons, you know, like, especially, man, you, you get so much backlash for like, uh, yeah, Blender is a free software, but you buying an add-on where a professional who knows his work spent like a year pre making, oh, yeah, and then you yeah. get all free updates for free, just for free, $30, and then I people know. still complain. You go like, oh my yeah, god! You, you gotta, you gotta not listen to those people though. Those, those people. Oh man, I got, I got this advice from you. Yes, I, I usually never get into this sort of conversations. You either, like, if you don't want to pay, you just don't buy it. You go and pirate it. There's no way. Like, I, I don't want to spend my time getting in, in arguments with this sort of comments. But you know, uh, overall, of course, Blender community is fantastic. There's a lot of like really, really good stuff going yeah. on, and which is yeah. super awesome. Yeah, definitely cool going going back so uh i i do want to kind of understand what how does somebody study like so yeah so you you studied aero engineering in Tajik yeah. tajikistan at a no it was in turkey it was oh in turkey. turkey okay so you yes. studied aero engineering and Aer then at some aerospace point, yeah aerospace okay and then yes. at some point I realized that was not <laughs> aerospace makes it sound a little bit cooler, isn't it? But it, it was literally like a, <laughs> it, it was a cool thing. It was a rocket science. But I was a terrible student. I was horrible. Like I, I barely graduated. So it's not like it. But it's a, it, it it looks cool in the in, in your CV, you know? Like, yeah, like, oh, that's right. Wow. And the art yeah, director so, must be like, oh, that's going to add, you know, more substance to his designs. A, a good player. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. So basically during my last year, I was such a terrible student, so I couldn't finish on time. I had to, I had one, one course that I failed at. So I had to sort of take an extra term to do that. But like uh, the way this university worked, I'm pretty sure a lot of university work that way. When you prolong your sort of uh academic years you have to pay extra like it's almost doubles every year so like okay. because i had one class that i failed my fee for that term like doubled i couldn't afford it Whoa. and i was like damn i yeah i was like i gotta go and work somewhere so i was asking around and a friend of mine like hey like a friend of mine opens this internet cafe like like in this somewhere nearby would you like to be like an admin there so just like looking at the computers and like Doing all the install installation part, I was like, yeah, of course I, I would. I so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was there. I, I was there like for three or four months. Obviously, for two months you just play Counter Strike, which is fun. But then I just got tired, right? I was like, damn, this is not fun. So I started learning Flash. I think Flash was my first uh, because I, I loved like the way Flash oh, was. Interesting. Okay. Uh, it was used in. Uh, what, what year was uh, this? Well, what? What was that? It was yeah, it was two thousand four, early two thousand four. Yep. So 
and you know the flash websites and all the animated sort of like really cool websites it was a thing back in the days stick death yep yeah yeah all the, oh man that, that was amazing isn't it yeah so i remember I was watching the that. same videos in 2004 i was grade yeah. 11 in school and uh -huh. yeah everyone was just picking up flash and going like i'm gonna make a stick animation yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just back those days exactly so yeah i was playing with that and um parallel to that i was playing with photoshop and just one day i don't know like i was just looking for some I, I bumped into this digital art you know someone was like just drawing like i saw a picture it was looking looking like fantastic but i didn't quite get how, how they made it so i started digging deeper and then obviously i was like, okay they draw right and then i was doing that with my mouse right for a while doing like a sunset very airbrushy very soft uh, so doing that but again it obviously you know it's just what you see as a final result is just like a a thin layer the final sort of presentation you have to know so many things like composition and just a lot of like the oldest like crazy all this long list of things uh which i slowly started discovering for myself you know and then design aspect of it gets involved and stuff like that so i think i was failing just on and off like painting and drawing for at least four or five years so it was if it was 2004 i started doing that and obviously everything looked like crap. I was doing that again and again. That's why I was like leaning more towards graphic design. I felt like, okay, I, my drawing and painting skills are not that great. Maybe I should stick with just a vector graphics, right? Or something yeah, yeah, that yeah. I can, nice. can manipulate. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing that. So I started doing graphic design. Obviously, I couldn't pursue my career in the aerospace engineering just because I was a terrible, I had terrible grades. So I wasn't like most terrible, but still it wasn't amazing. Nobody would hire me. Right. And, uh, also, I, I, I wanted more, like the, the, the reason why I got into it, I, I love military sort of uh, aircrafts and stuff like that. So I, I knew as a non-citizen, I wouldn't be able to do that either. So I went back home and then I joined a graphic studio for like 200 bucks a month. So I was, again, I, it's, it's literally like for my first years in, in, the in the industry, I would just work for food, right? Like they would just throw in some uh, uh, spare money so I can just, sustain my living and i was constantly practicing it was like all looking terrible terrible i was like at some point i hit the wall i was like i have no talent i don't think this is going anywhere you know okay yeah uh because there's so many things again like i mentioned it's not only skill of drawing but then there is also design aspect of it storytelling again like being a concept yeah. artist is quite it's a lot. uh quite it's a, a deep lot. you know profession um so yeah, and slow. I think like in end of two thousand eight, I did like a couple of paintings, and I was like, "This actually looked pretty good, right?" Nice. <laughs> and nice. this is yeah. So, so and this is about I four think, years since you started using Flash. Yes. Four yes. years in, starting to look. Yes. Good. That's good. Exactly. Right. But again, what I say good probably looks terrible. But back then, comparing to what I was doing before, it was actually oh yeah, it's getting somewhere. So Come in along, yeah. I think it mid mid two thousand nine, and this is where like you can just find me on DeviantArt or somewhere else. I started posting my first <laughs> stuff and people were like, Hey dude, this is cool. You're talented, right? For the first time in my life, people beyond my family, like started telling me that I am talented, you know? Right. And I was like so motivated. And that's why I think like being in community is very important, you know, like, uh, yes, occasionally you get people who tell you the truth that you suck and you have to study <laughs> another another 10 years, which turn out to be true. But a lot of times you need this motivation that people 
are lacking, you know, especially from countries like mine, uh, because the, just the whole society, uh, it's quite di different, you know, nobody really supports it. And it, when you're doing something that nobody is doing, it's, it's challenging because you doubt yourself when people tell you, hey, when are you going to get a serious job? What is this, right? Like, mm, do you think by right. doing the scribbles you're going to get somewhere? Of course, I was lucky that my family was very supportive. Like my mom, uh, my my dad and my brother, they were always like, hey, you got to do this and stuff like that. So that kept, kept me going. And, uh, yeah. Very important. And on top of that, obviously, the support that I got from community really drove me for further and i just kept doing it. and it's almost like exponentially from there you get the motivation you start spending more time you spend more time you get better you get more mm. motivation from people it's true so yeah it's and and then i started just uh, doing my own projects and i think this is the very important step to do for a lot of people who want to break out uh but also don't have like opportunity to physically do this i wasn't able to go and visit like events or anything like that i was just doing this in my uh, in my bedroom right so mm -hmm. i was just participating in online sort of uh contests and challenges and slowly i i, I actually had a good portfolio and then someone who knew me who was working on the project was like hey you gotta hire this guy and then i got my first offer from from english company here in london and that's how i ended up being here so Oh, so they, so they then sponsored your visa to come to London. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, first day I, awesome. they got me on a, uh, on a temporary gig here, but they just saw how, how crazy I am, how, how much I work. <laughs> I think they, you know, I, first time I came to London, I haven't seen anything. I knew this is my chance and I was just working my ass off. Like, but I, I was, I think right. I was the only guy who was taking this cab service they have for people who stay after 11 p.m. every day because I was just staying there till 1 a.m. and I was just going out. But also, it's not that like I just what, liked where, it. Where was this? What what company? You said English company? It was, um, yeah, it was a MPC, Moving Picture Company. So, oh, right. I thought you meant like an like a English learning company or something. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, no, no. Right, I, MPC, I meant, that's huge. Wow. Yeah. I was person advertising uh, and it was still a big step for me and I spent there two solid years afterwards when they brought me in permanently. Mm. And then I went to film uh, our department at Framestore, then ILM, and now I'm here at Lucasfilm. So, That's yeah. incredible. Dude. Nothing happened quickly. Nothing happened without effort. Everything was, uh, yeah. And I don't have wealthy parents. And in my country, we always say, oh, is your father like a prime minister? Or something? <laughs> just, <Yeah>. just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's incredible it, it, that's that's a success story huh from Tajikistan, so. raised I in a so. soviet country going through a yeah. civil war picking up photoshop flash just dabbling in it and then you yeah. post your stuff on deviant art participate in contests mm -hmm. and then eventually someone says yeah hire this guy and yeah, then just and through <laughs> insane work ethic they noticed you staying up 11 p.m. every day. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess like it's not, you know, people always, uh, sometimes it could be misleading saying that you got to only, the only way to do it is more crazy hours. I I, I, I always say in my sort of uh, lectures or mentorships, I always say it's not about time you spend, it's about mm -hmm. the passion you have. So if you're smart enough, you can really enjoy the life as well. But obviously, sometimes you gotta spend the hours, right? This, yes. There are shortcuts, uh, but if you love your job, a lot of time 
that this doesn't look like a job. You just you're just working on it, and uh, like you said, the hours just pass by. Yeah. What? Because I, I think everyone's experienced times where they've they've invested a lot of time into learning because they know that practice. Mm -hmm. You got to do practice. You got to put in the hours, as everyone says. But then, looking back, they can look through sometimes weeks, if not months, of work, mm -hmm. and not see improvement. Mm -hmm. um, so that leads me to believe that that uh, yes, time is important, but it's clearly mm -hmm. not the only thing that matters. So what mm -hmm. what what do you think? Uh, like, what would be a, a successful practice session in in your eyes? Like, mm -hmm. if you're mm -hmm. trying to improve. What, mm -hmm. what 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 advice would you give to somebody? Well, I, I would say doing that engineering helped me a lot to dissect that problem a little bit better, you know, because again, just as, as you said, repetitive sort of effort definitely brings you somewhere, mm -hmm. but also you need to know which actually, like actually which muscle you got to concentrate on. Like if we could say that, right? Because every like, task every skill every sort of experience you're doing it develops certain things and you got to have a right plan so you could be doing an exercise which completely doesn't develop that creative or like drawing skill that you're trying to concentrate on mm -hmm. i mean let's say for example you're trying to learn how to draw but drawing as a thing is a very ambiguous sort of uh uh vague yeah. skill you know the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 it's it, there there are a lot of things you can draw and how you draw it yeah you gotta really figure out what exactly and how you wanted to do do you want to do life drawing or do you want to develop your design drawing skills like so yeah. each one of those there's different type of things like if you want to get more into environment then you need besides learning how to draw you need to really understand perspective very well so there it's it really helped me and i started slowly chopping away those things you know like i knew okay i don't fully understand perspective how can i get better at it and i remember watching some tutorials and doing my own perspective studies and i was like am i dumb right why like i'm i don't understand how it works right it, it's very simple <laughs> you have a horizon line and then you have yeah. vanishing points right but yeah. for some reason my brain couldn't digest that like i would just like sit there i i remember one of the thumbnails i did i still remember this it had like a, a big question mark because i just couldn't figure out what exactly <laughs> is going on right you just drew so, it right into it this yeah sucks. and <laughs> making a drawing doing that re, like if you repeat that even a thousand times if you're not getting to the bottom of the things you still mm -hmm. will just practice something you know mm -hmm. that's why having a plan and trying to understand what's not what is actually wrong will allow you to pick up that specific muscle that you're trying to train and uh it's almost like you if you go to gym you can do eat all of the machines there right for mm. 10 years you will develop something probably but yes having yes. a plan and specifically going for something especially if it's professionally going to help you uh mm. again if you're doing this as a uh, as a hobby i don't I wouldn't even stress it out. Do whatever you want. Just enjoy it. But if you yeah. want to do it professionally, that muscle or that skill needs to be sharpened accordingly. And yes. Yes. time plus a good plan and ability to sort of dissect it into smaller chunks because some of those tasks are just enormous, right? Like let's say design yes. aspect yeah. of it. There's like visual library. There is design sense, uh, 
so much so much in there right so doing that uh would be a, a, a quite a big task and you you kind of need to dissect it yeah like i've, I've been learning uh 2d for uh, i put in about two years of practice like yeah. sort of like every single day putting in like an hour of practice and it took me way too long to realize this but because like people would say like oh you got to do the studies you got to do the fundamentals right you got to do these yeah. exercises where you draw boxes right and i yeah. draw the boxes and then i go it's fucking it's easy can be set, you know yeah. and then it's like but you and then you got to do ones where you got to like learn how to draw straight lines it's like i'm drawing a straight yeah. it's like well, i'll just do the thing and so i do like the final piece because not only is it fun but i feel like i'm yeah. testing more uh more yeah. skills right so you get yeah. more bang for your buck right the problem yeah. is is that at the end of it there's so many things wrong with it that you as yeah. a inexperienced person can't tell it's mm -hmm. like trying to like listen to 10 pieces of music at the same time and judge mm -hmm. which ones need work right like an yeah. expert might be able to but like you as a beginner it's impossible so like yeah it it suddenly like dawned on me that like i had yeah. these pitch i just kept drawing faces like portraits and yeah. and then i would do the shading and the coloring and it just looked eh by the end of it and it took me so long to like realize like okay it looks eh because every single one of those has issues and i couldn't yeah. tell at the time what they were so yeah. the proportions were wrong and i couldn't tell the yeah. proportions were wrong because it was buried under all this shading with yeah. highlights and yeah. ooh, little yeah. glowy bits you gotta simply you gotta simplify that I, I would say you're getting better definitely I, I keep seeing your stuff on twitter on facebook yeah you definitely oh, thanks thanks uh, appreciate it and if you just keep doing that, you will get definitely to get it. So, but also you you gotta ask yourself why you're doing this. And not in your case, but let's say in my case, mm -hmm. uh, if I want to draw faces, I'm not a a portrait painter or, or drawer, right? Like I do, if I do faces, I do them as a part of my design task. So, mm -hmm. my task was always not only to be able to draw and paint something, but also to be able to come up with new things. For example, that's why like. For a concept designer, it's more crucial actually to understand what your face is made from, right? Like the jaw, the nose, and all the bones and stuff yeah, like that. Because then yeah. you can start playing with the proportions. Mm -hmm. And when someone doesn't know that, you can tell it because they don't know how to distort the proportions. Like for example, if you look at the caricature artists, they actually know very well how to draw. They do. That's the reason why they can distort the proportions and it still doesn't seem off you know like that's the thing like you know you probably had the struggle when even placing the eyes you draw them and like you go man one of them doesn't like align with the other <laughs> yeah, one yep. but you don't know yeah, exactly where it needs to <laughs> so it, it's yeah that's the obviously drawing has uh, this is why it's your end guys you should be totally okay with that statement this is why a lot of people prefer 3d because when you're drawing, you have to imagine the forms in your head and project them on the paper. And that's a very quite challenging task, especially the more complex the shape is, the more crazy perspective is, it get, it's getting more and more complicated. So you put it in 3D, it's all sets for you. So yeah, I'm not yeah. saying 3D is easier than 2D. It's just two different components. It, it's the same thing, but different types of visualization. So yeah, I mean, you're definitely getting better you just need to if you know what you want to do with this and if you know where you want to use this it will be way easier for you to keep moving on right for me early on in my career i, I knew like i i love character like drawing and sketching i do live drawings but i also know that 
most of the time I probably wouldn't even have a reference in front of me because I have to come up with something new. So it was all about like I, I tr- the way I built my characters is from almost like from inside out. You imagine them as a sort of like bones and almost like a gesture. And then slowly you dress it up with muscles and cloth and stuff like that. So very interesting. I, I'm still learning. I think the problem with uh, 2D skills, you have to constantly practice them because it's almost like this connection between your hand and your brain. It needs to be developed all the time. Yeah. And this yeah. is that's that's why I think like drawing and painting is so exciting. You can be doing as long as your brain is healthy and you can hold a pen, you know. So hopefully mm-hmm. as I get older I will be doing more of that. I actually when we moved into this new place, I bought an easel which is downstairs. So I, I started doing charcoal drawings as well. So oh really? So, oh that's cool. Yeah. Nice, nice. No, it's, messy, it's great. Right? It is messy. <laughs> it gets, the little it, dust gets everywhere. Everything's it's, like it's re- black. It's like, ah. Yeah. It's, re- <laughs> it's, it's relaxing. We actually used to do a lot of live drawing here. When I just uh, came to London uh, 10 years ago, we had a group of, we're still, we're still friends, but we actually everyone got married, got kids. So when now COVID, we don't see each other that much. But we used to go to live drawing every week and it was fantastic, you know, just like, mm going there experiencing and uh drawing stuff it's so relaxing just breaking yeah from this yeah i've been to a couple of those live live drawing places went to one in brisbane where i am and um yeah it it is it's it's actually really interesting like just seeing um how every person tackles it i I actually think that's yeah i do miss that with um uh with with learning from home learning online is you don't get to do that thing where at the end of the tutorial, you walk around and look at everybody else's work. You know what I mean? And then like <laughs> yeah, yeah. the one who's doing really good, just go like, hey man, I need help. You know, like, can you give me some tips? Um, yeah. th- that That's one big advantage to uh, in-person things. Yeah. But, uh, and you know, usually when you go, like you mentioned, if you go to live drawing, there's always a person who sort of oversees the place and gives you like some tips. Sometimes yeah. you get the guy, sometimes you don't. But we had this guy and he he, he was very good. He would give you like really good. But there was one occasion where, where he was like, what? Like, so I was sitting there. But, you know, sometimes because like usually you have a live model and then you have people around the model just so everyone has a different angle at the, at the yes. pose. From where I was looking, it was very flat. So just like the twist of the pose, it was just like very uninteresting. But because I approached this as a concept artist, so I actually drew the same guy but from a different angle. So oh, he really? came by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I could <laughs> see the pose and I was just like, okay, this is what the pose is there. So I drew, obviously, like having a model in front of you, it gives you a lot of information already, right? And because like the way I built stuff from inside out helps a lot. And then he came by and he was like, okay, what are we looking at? Like, I was like, yeah, I just did, did this. He was like, what? Like, he, he was really, uh, yeah, it's, but again, uh, saying that it doesn't mean like the way I do it is better than what others people, other people do. You just need to really understand what you're doing this for. Like, for example, I always, when I teach, for I teach like drawing and painting in my mentorships. I always say there's almost two parts to this. One is observational skill when, you actually develop your eye measurement, right? Like, you know, when you have live drawing and you have people like measuring with the pen, right? It's cool because you kind of sort of, and at some point you stop doing that because your eye measurement is so good. So whatever you see, you can sort of do the projection of that on the paper. But also another one, which I personally have to balance it with is where 
I have to do this without any reference. Like, for example, I'm working on this image where I have soldiers running. Like, I can't just find reference for every one of those guys, right? I have to yeah, right, be able right. to construct it from inside out. And that's what, like, a lot of comic books artists do. Because they, even if they have a reference, sometimes, often they just exaggerate it so much. And the only way to do that would be really understanding what bones connects to each other, how they connect and how the sort of proportions flow into each other, what shapes you have in your body. You have a cube, you have a cylinder, you have a sphere here and stuff like that. So, mm. and if you understand, if you go and like, now I don't want to do concept art, I'm just doing this for illustration purpose or like portrait drawing. You probably don't need that either, but it's just both of those worlds. They fascinate me. So I'm, I'm just trying to do both of them. And yeah. it, in, in the end helps me to pro progress but with life drawing it's a never-ending experience so i think both of me you and i even if you get at the point where you feel like yeah oh, i'm doing great you still you will still have so much to learn because oh, human yeah. body is so complex and it's just fascinating what, what you can yeah. do there. yeah it is interesting like when you start you sort of imagine that like at some point i'll get it and i will have learned it and i can check that box but mm -hmm. you realize that like even the masters have never checked the box yet they're always yeah. learning. There's there's always somebody better than you um, and people mm -hmm. you can learn from, which I think is kind of exactly. the point. It's a uh, it's the journey. Yeah, yeah true. Um, and then the next oh, yeah. next step would be start, if I could add on top of that, yeah, yeah, the next sorry. step would be actually how you can push it a bit further because you just don't want to do a drawing. You want to make something that looks slightly like not surreal, but that's why mm. you have an impressionist painter, right? Like when you, you look at something, if you look at the history of sort of image making, you would have like this uh, painters who would copy directly what they see in front. And at some point it became too boring. So uh, people started creating these images where you look, you almost see how strokes move, right? So yeah, same yeah, with yeah. live drawing, but like the task is not only to copy what's in front of you, but to give it almost like this movement in the stroke. It's really to fun. Interpret and yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. To simplify it. So, and it's, it's weird. Like the first time experience I had with this, like when I was a graphic designer, I had to trace a hand, right? Like just like a tracing a hand, it sounds very simple. You put your hand in with the pen, you trace it, try doing that. It's awful. It looks like sausages, right? Because <laughs> it's just a counter, right? Yeah. But what makes the hand hand is just how gestural it is and how and the mm. gesture is not tra like translated in just a counter. Anyway, I'm getting too much in depth, but No, no, that's, it, that's... What, what I'm trying to say it's a never-ending process and <laughs> yeah. that's probably that's probably what makes it fun, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, going going back to um uh when we were talking about like yeah, like understanding, like interpreting um, the, the face, getting the anatomy. Something that I, I noticed is uh, with all the different skills that make up 2D, mm -hmm. right? You've got mm -hmm. perspective, you've got gesture, gesture uh, you've got shading, you've got, you know, all the, all the list of things. You can build mm -hmm. in kind of a feedback loop, right? As mm -hmm. in like, mm -hmm. if you're trying to learn proportions, if mm -hmm. you just put an image next to you and then you try drawing it, at the end of it, you can put it over the top and all the lines mm -hmm. that are out, you go, I made mistakes here, 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 and here. And then you try it again and you do it again. And that feedback loop helps you when you make a mistake, realize it and improve it. But the one thing that I find I cannot get a feedback loop for is design. <laughs> so 
say like I think I mentioned it to uh, uh, Ben Morrow on that podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I was making these houses. I was trying to make like an interesting looking house. I was doing it in Blender. So I just like made these houses with like a kind of a peak top like this and kind of exaggerated the, the balconies going out. And then I made another one and I did this kind of thing. And then at the end of it, I couldn't figure like, how can you build that feedback loop for good design? How do you know yeah. when something has good, how can you learn good design? Yeah. Well, it's again another broad subject, but I would say the reason why it gets quite tricky, like again, I will pick up what you just explained, right? Like for example, you do like a gesture drawing, then you start shading and then you start like finalizing your image and then you come up with the result. You go, something is wrong, but I don't know, like design of it is not good, right? Yes. So I would always say you, you got to start simple so that even first gestural pass already has needs to have that design pass on it because the simpler your tool is the more iteration you you can iterate more basically like you can yes. okay i want to like even the faces right you would say well, how can you design faces we're all the same right like i mean proportion wise yeah yeah you can change so much i mean yeah. what I, I mean by the same we have same features but what makes the design is how they are positioned. Even if there is a relative offset, there's so much you can do, right? Like, let's say you gesture something more squarish. You got a character that has a squarish profile. You, you, you make an oval. It becomes so those simple things, like simple uh, gestural things, they basically should define your design. And that's why it becomes very difficult to change those as once you start adding on top. When you have all the shading sorted out, it's almost you don't have luxury to change the proportions because you have so much. Same with 3D, for example. Uh, that's why like you see a lot of people usually blocking out designs with simple geometry because mm -hmm. it's so much easier to iterate. It's almost like you, you're squinting your eyes and you're zooming out and looking at things. Oh, but once you have the whole building with all the pipes and roof work and like doors and stuff like that, then it becomes so heavy you you can't just change it like you can't just take and stretch it you have polygons you have vertices you know they're all interconnected and stuff like that so yeah it's it's a very different mindset i would say but then again this is what makes this profession be beautiful and exciting you, you don't necessarily need to be a good designer like uh, if you're working in the 3d industry or 2d industry you can be an illustrator or like asset maker you know who like some other people design things and then they give them to you and then you just try to recreate that as much as as good as you can so it's yeah. it's like you know early days uh, in my early days i just wanted to learn everything but that's exactly where i i caught myself understanding that if i do that that's it's gonna take me like 30 50 years right and every day i'm learning right. these days and they just kind of prove the point i decided to concentrate on a very specific thing like for example and again, you probably know the add-ons that we do uh, with with Alexander. We concentrate just on thing like a very quick sketching. So it's not like mm. it's not yeah. meant to be for very fine models, because that's how I work. You know, I work on the bigger picture. I just block out simple block things and speed yeah. is. And the simpler it is, the easier for me to iterate on things. So with design, like I'm pretty sure Ben gave you some fantastic uh, recommendations, but I would say my always sort of advice to people who are trying to get better at design, try to simplify it, start very simple because with simple shapes, you can operate and iterate much faster 
yes. rather than on like a finished super polished model basically yeah which was what i was yeah what i was trying to do um that's why i actually just focused on blender so i had like cubes and just very basic shapes making these mm -hmm. uh these these sort of houses um because yeah totally right like yeah if I, I was doing it in procreate like trying to do it 2d and that was actually mm -hmm. less fast than doing it in 3d one of mm -hmm. those rare moments um yeah. but uh but yeah like i don't know it is do you know any resources that talk about you know like the you know big medium small shapes right great yeah. name for your business mm -hmm. by the way big medium small yeah um, <laughs> but um but yeah, like the the breakup of that and understanding, mm -hmm. you know, what percent, what proportion, like what percentage of big versus medium mm -hmm. or small, and mm -hmm. what is it about, you know, Spath's work or, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, some of the Mobius or all those like great people. What is it that makes those designs interesting? And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's a broad question. Well, I, <laughs> no, it's a broad question. Actually, there is a very clear explanation you can even find it on wikipedia the problem is that like a lot of times you read that yeah understand it but um, before like if you don't apply it you kind of it doesn't make sense so if you just type in like for anyone who's watching and does know about it if you can type in like design principles in in google it will take you to either wikipedia page or someone design sort of article and there are there's a list of things which you have to think about when you're doing this there is read and contrast balance and again there, i think like there are eight seven maybe six of them i don't remember exactly because yeah a lot of them are quite interconnected with each other so basically you keep in mind those but again i personally never sort of I can. I just gave you that description. You can go on Wikipedia and read about those principles, but unless you start applying them, it doesn't really make sense. Like for example, rhythm. Right. Like what is rhythm? It's a very rhythm. abstract thing. Rhythm, right? Oh, rhythm. Rhythm. Yes. Yeah, yes, rhythm. Yes, yes. Like what is rhythm? Like it's a very like abstract. Like you have rhythm in it music is. as well. So it's basically yeah. something like being rhythmic or being non-rhythmic, right? Like for example, let's say you have a composition of like diagonals and in one, one place you have like a sort of perpendicular thing it could be mm -hmm. a tree so the, the, that makes sort of design aspect of it or you, if you have like a vehicle like the read the way your sort of parts of a vehicle flow into each other and actually those i think like the whole every design sort of principle described in that uh, in, in those in that collection is basically something that we are we we figure it out by looking at nature of things that exist, right? For example, if you look, why we'd go to like outside and we go, oh my God, this is so beautiful, right? Nature doesn't know about those principles as like definitions, right? It, it, the way nature forms, it does those things naturally. You know, rivers mm. flow the way they flow because water needs to flow. And then it becomes this visual path that we all enjoy. So it's it's very interesting you know like i it's very difficult to pinpoint right exactly mm -hmm. it because it's a combination of things uh then balance for example the way you balance your things for example you mentioned you wrote up big medium small so what would be the best ratio there's no best ratio it's all relative right but mm -hmm. again for example let's say you have like a blank composition right with everything black and then you put a dot and then that dot becomes like a focal point in your composition, which could be a focal point in your design. Like let's say Death Star, you have a big orb, but right in the corner, there is this thing with, uh, where the laser beam comes from, right? So that becomes sort of design thing. 
But if you start putting those dots more everywhere, so then whatever is not dot will become the the composition element. Yes. You know? Yes. So it's so it's so how far you push? There's always this balance, and you yeah. basically like if you look at Sparf's work. Obviously, Sparf is a genius artist. He's fantastic. He knows exactly what he's doing, and that's why you react to his paintings and designs in that way because he balanced it out so nicely you know mm. so again by just reading that description you will never become a good designer you 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 will become by actually experiencing practicing it and implementing those into your workflow same with cinematography like i often get asked like, how you know, how you look like your frames look so cinematic you know like regardless if i do 2d or 3d it's not about lensing or camera effects or chromatic aberration mm -hmm. or like color grading which i thought back in the days i was like i was looking at movies they look like movies and then you look at the sort of what you make it looks like a like even bet difference between like uh shows and uh theatrical sort of cinematic yes. films. there's a difference right difference. so some of it because of a frame rate they're using but also most of it is the lighting and composition they do so like for example if you're working on a on, the, the reason why frames look cinematic because the person whoever is shooting or painting that frame knows a lot about cinematography which mm -hmm. is all about composition the way you use lights the way you position your camera uh what lens do you use for your renders and stuff like that so uh, and that's why like if you want to get better at those especially if you're doing 3d like sometimes i get artists getting in touch with me asking like hey how could i make my 3d look more cinematic and i just go you you gotta learn how film films work and you gotta study how camera cameras operate and stuff like that then it would be just easier for you to reproduce that sort of the same thing in 3d basically yeah 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 you gotta break it down into the individual yeah. elements i i yeah because exactly. i went through i think probably most a lot of young artists go through the same thing. It's like, why, how can I make something look cinematic? They know the word <laughs> cinematic. Um, yeah. And it, it took me so many years to, to realize what you said. It's like, it's so many little things that, yeah. uh, it really movies. It, it's basically money that, that is the mm -hmm. reason that a movie looks better than a TV show because mm -hmm. the time that goes into each shot is so yeah. planned out from the very start to get the best cinematographer yeah. dp the that's right. uh then they got a really a crack lighting team and then the costume designers and they're hiring the best in the industries and then not mm -hmm. only that but then it's the, the the music that goes with it they're hiring the best musicians and then like i watched this course on um color grading on um mm -hmm. fx bhd and like i never realized how much time went into color grading but it, it wasn't mm -hmm. just like oh you know you adjust the levels and the you know whatever it was like each little part had like a spot focus and like we got to brighten up this and we got to track the face as it goes from this side of the screen to the other yeah. so that the focus is on that it's like you, you can only do that when you've got a budget behind That's you true. um but anyway it's true but but yeah. again you you just like confirm what i was saying what they are trying to do with color grading is control the composition right so we yeah. darken this area so your focus Point, your focal point shifts towards here and there we add saturation a little bit here so there is a contrast so basically they all like they all following these design rules that you can literally find on wikipedia but the 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 reason why they're doing that because they know exactly what they're doing and that means they're like professionals like for example probably the most i wouldn't say most professional otherwise they will fire me but 
one of the greatest directors I've worked with was Ridley Scott, and he knows composition so well. Like if you watch his really, movies, yeah. like you can argue like about the sort of uh, philosophical part of the latest movie he did with Prometheus and Covenant. But visually, they look brilliant, right? Like mm, every right. frame, like Prometheus was fantastic, Covenant as well. So, and Ridley Scott knows how to compose his pictures. He just knows. Like mm, I, really? one of the yeah. examples, I, I was back in the MPC when they did Prometheus. There is a famous short shot of, uh, there, there, there is a famous shot of Prometheus landing. And Ridley Scott did a thumbnail, which is, which looks like very identical as in terms of like how everything okay. is positioned to the final shot. So huh. those filmmakers, they know exactly what they're doing. They don't know the yeah. technique that he, I, I, I bet Ridley Scott doesn't know how to create realistic stones in Houdini, no. but he knows all the right things. So the big picture. Yeah. Uh, but then again, as an artist working in this industry, you have, to, it's all about balance, you know, like you need to really understand what, where you want to be again if you're just doing this for fun have fun don't listen to any of the stuff we're talking about here but if you want sort of to convert this into something you would love to living you have to really be you have to you need a plan otherwise it's just too much to handle mm -hmm. especially if like in my case i was starting pretty late it's almost like the race started and i was like 100 meters behind them right <laughs> so I, I i had to be i had to be very calculated and just focus on things that will help me to get somewhere where I could feel comfortable and could work on something that I want to work on. All right. We'll get back to that interview with Jama Jurabev. I'm sure he's talking about something fascinating, but uh, we're going to do a Polygon ad reader, right? So bear with me. Uh, yeah, the episode was brought to you by Polygon, helping you make better renders faster. So we specialize in giving you assets to build better architectural renders and environments in less time. So we recently launched a whole bunch of subway tile. In the next week or so, you'll probably see some brand new concrete as well as some of the highest resolution photo scans, stumps and logs you've ever seen. We've also got, of course, all the main major categories that you could ever want. We've got things like marble. We've got a whole selection of wood flooring, tile, it just goes on and on and on. So check it out at Polygon, P-O-L-I-I-G-O-N. We also have add-ons that work with all major software and rendering engines so that you can basically have the add-on there. You download something and it'll read it and it'll convert it into a material for your engine, um, which is pretty cool. So if you want to make and design better architectural spaces and make renders that pop, sign up at Polygon.com, P-O-L-I-I-G-O-N. Now let's get back to the interview with Jama Jurabave. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue to my next question, which was gonna be, um, yeah, let's say you've got a young artist who yeah. wants to be, you know, either just a great artist or or, or concept, whatever it is, but mm. what, what if you had to train them, let's say, mm. they're gonna be mm. your, you're gonna be their mentor, uh, mm. what things would you, what would the curriculum look like? What would a learning curriculum look like in terms mm -hmm. of you should, focus on these core fundamentals at the beginning or mm -hmm. yeah what would that look like yeah well i i do i actually do mentorship and i have a course which uh, took me a while to figure out how to do properly because again because of the industry evolving so fast you have so many different levels and also so many different sort of aspects of this profession 
sometimes you get illustrators who want to get into concept art. So they already have a very good base. So you can't just go them, hey, guys, you got to draw a cube, right? Because they already know how to do that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying everything. But basically, like the way I'm, I teach my, uh, my mentorship, I have three levels, beginner, intermediate, and professional. And I approach them accordingly because, like, mm. I know beginners have a very certain things they always do mistakes at. For example, one of them would be not actually knowing what they're signing up for. I my mentorship I do specifically on concept art for films, and it, it's the profession that is very romanticized from outside. You see, oh, these guys they do like all these cool things and stuff like that. But actually, a lot of people don't know how much effort need to go needs to go into it. So. For them, I mean, I would say for every group, it's basically the first thing you got to figure out the fundamentals. If the person, if the person trying to get into this industry or even working in this industry, do they have strong fundamentals? You probably would be surprised. Fundamentals. Well, fundamentals, for example, it's obviously not uh, the skill of doing something. Like drawing is a is a skill, but you can be a good designer without being a good drawer like for example you know guys like i don't know like i'm vitali is actually pretty good at drawing too but let's say vitali some other guys out there they are fantastic 3d designers but they don't know like as the the 2d skill they have is not probably as good as some other some the 3d skills they have so fundamentals means like design work uh Mm. basically design they need to know design principles and they need to understand art principles right like composition perspective mm. and stuff like that yeah yeah because like even if you're a 3d artist you gotta understand perspective because there's a lot of things you can cheat you know like that's why like when i when people watch my tutorials and they see instead of this huge vista background i just slap on like a, a plane they go oh you can do that right i thought it was all 3d <laughs> right so if you place it at the right angle and it, with the right perspective and the camera uh angle it just looks like a continue extension of your yeah. scene. So I know how to manipulate those things. So this, yeah, those kind of things. Yeah, so basically for a lot of like, for all of those groups, sometimes you would ask me, do I meet professionals who don't have fundamentals? I mean, partially, sometimes you get people who have some really big gaps in certain areas, but yeah. most of the time it's because what they do is slightly different. You can have a, an, an illustrator who tries to, get into concept art they need to re re tweak and fine-tune certain things because it's not the same thing mm-hmm. we do both paint and draw but the pacing is different uh the subjects are different the formats are different like for example illustrators most of the time they probably do like square format or more like a, a portrait format in films we go with landscape so even that could change a lot of things you know mm-hmm. so right right yeah i would say fundamentals is a core problem that a lot of beginners have because mm. you can learn a lot of tips and tricks here and there right but yeah. to be able to fully control that process and as a concept artist you really need to control those because you get feedback it's not like you work if you're doing this for fun just for yourself and probably nobody comments on like nobody tries to fix the uh, nobody forces you to change things let's let's say that but when you work as a professional you're constantly getting say sad things uh, like, oh, this doesn't work. Could you change that? And if you know what the the image is made of, you can is like it's so much easier to do that rather than 
if you learn a couple of tricks here and there, you can put an image together, but it would be very difficult for you if they say, oh, we don't want this. Could you change it and do it completely different mood and stuff like that? And then mm. a lot of people struggle. So fundamentals, I would say, would be, I mean, it, it's just, it's very obvious. You would say learning fundamentals is something you should always start from. And actually, there is a point why people draw cubes before diving into <laughs> making proper, like, full-on faces. But obviously, you got to balance it, right? Fundamentals is something you start from. And also why I think I believe fundamentals is the main subject you got to start from. Because fundamentals, it does it's timeless fundamentals were out there well when leonardo was doing that right uh, fundamentals was out there when rapping was doing that mm, what yeah. changed are the tools the tools are keep, keep changing and that's why for me like i i i had a, of like originally i actually we actually skipped that part when in uni when i was doing this aerospace thing i started doing 3d because we had this like super complex uh apps to calculate like uh, the what do you call it the flow around the aircraft so i was i really liked the 3d so i was doing some simple like 3d of some planes with all mm -hmm. those simulations but i never actually enjoyed it that's why i swapped to 2d but then later on when i had to pick it up it was quite easy for me in natural because i had a very solid fundamentals fundamentals you know like yeah. i knew exactly how everything works and then it was then vr came out i had no problem with that either and then tomorrow something else comes out. So my dream is actually when AI comes out, I would just tell AI like, hey Siri, could you do a fantastic landscape for for uh, a new movie I'm working on, right? But again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. This is, and, and this is exactly the same thing you mentioned, right? Like with AI coming in, a lot of people think, oh, it's gonna take over. Potentially it will, but also it will help us. It still will require someone to know fundamentals, you know, yes, to kind yes. of go and tell AI, I want you to place this here and there. And even in that Canvas demo that I did for NVIDIA, you can see I'm doing this simple sort of graphic sketch. So in that graphic sketch, I'm actually using a lot of fundamentals and design and knowledge and composition mm. and all that stuff. So AI and, and just, for, is just an, uh, another for, for, tool, basically. Yeah. I was going to say, for context, uh, NVIDIA has released a tool. What's it called? Canvas? Canvas, like, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, gives you the the most simplest of tools it's like this is the landscape tool this is the sky tool this is the lake tool and you mm -hmm. draw looks like an ms paint drawing it's like this is blue this is you know green and you're just like throwing stuff on the canvas and then next to it is what the ai has interpreted and gone okay you want a river there you want the landscape there and it makes it look like a photo um and so a lot of people are understandably very scared of that. Um, mm -hmm. But to your point, the AI doesn't know, like you couldn't tell the AI, like make it better, like make a better design. It doesn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's up to you to figure that out. And then also that's, it's doing a lot of the like heavy lifting, which is kind of repeatable mm -hmm. by any sort of technical artist, right? Like mm -hmm. making that landscape look kind of realistic is kind of a simple move, but the actual what you did then polish it you took that kind of basic thing after you put the fundamentals down and then also took it into photoshop to make it mm -hmm. something better i think that's what a lot of people are missing is that that it's just going to make i believe anyway I, i'm curious mm -hmm. your thoughts but i, I believe it's going to make concept no, no, faster I, and cheaper you know i think in general i'm always trying to look for opportunities 
rather than uh, like the negative side of things. Sure. And probably this is the, after like so much explanation, this is probably the way I got into industry. I was very positive that I could potentially get here. You know, there were a lot of obstacles, people saying, oh, nobody has done this before. Or people saying, oh, do you know? Like, I remember a friend of mine, I would show him my early sketches and he literally told me like, do, do you know like millions out there do this stuff like you do? Do you think you, you like the stuff you do is somehow different? But I believe it's different, right? Even though it was still the same uh, stuff right. that other, everyone else was doing. So with any kind of startups, like I get approached a lot by different companies, like a VR company or like a company who's doing some like real time stuff. Oh, I always say like, guys, like I'm totally on board. It sounds interesting. I mean, obviously there is a money side of it. Like you're competing with these big giants uh, in the industry so you need to be very careful about how you do that but i would love to help you i would just love to sort of give you whatever i can because making your own product is damn difficult right so and especially when the only thing that keeps you alive is that you you see the potential you just need to sort of like go i i, I can take it somewhere you know and then mm -hmm. you you just need to same with like ai thing i i'm very it's very promising and people go oh you should you, you're shooting yourself in in leg in leg right I go now. It just removes a lot of unnecessary work. You know, yeah. my job is not my job is not to paint a rock. My job is to paint a rock in a very specific place so there something could happen in that setting, right? Like I can tell have a story. Character. Yeah. yeah. So if you do that, but again, and then the argument that oh now everybody could do that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. Like three yeah. D, everyone can create a cube, but not everyone. Can create something that looks art directed so it needs a lot yeah. of knowledge it, it's like everyone's got a phone on uh, sorry a camera on their phone now but mm -hmm. it's not like the photography business died because mm -hmm. everyone's got their own camera right because you, the good photographers know all the other stuff that makes a mm -hmm. photo look good yeah. so yeah. everyone's grandma can take a photo of a birthday cake celebration yeah. but to well, make it, it look beautiful that is still a skill that uh, that not everybody can do. Exactly. There is this little story. I mean, I'm not sure if it's even the real story, but uh, apparently, like, there's a conversation between a grandma and uh, like a grandkid who is doing some computer work, and the grandma goes like, "I don't understand why they pay you so much. You, you just sit in front of your computer and move your mouse." And the guy goes like, "Well, grandma, you're welcome to do that." She goes, "Oh, I don't know those tools, right?" So, well, if you don't know those tools, right, that's why you're not getting paid. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's on like on top of just uh, having strong fundamentals and stuff like that. And you got to know your tools as well. So that's why it's important to find that right balance, you know, to spend equal time on that. And right, that's why I think, you know, like I'm I, I'm especially like in my countries, I, I wouldn't say my country. It's just in general, a, a, a post-Soviet sort of union I would remember when I was a kid, I was looking at people who are over their 40s. It's almost like their life was over. They had no goal. But obviously, like, it's hard to judge because the Soviet collapsed. A lot of people lost the sense of, like, why they even lived, mm -hmm. what, what they lived for, right? But right. I do remember, like, people didn't have any purpose in life. And I, I, I look at myself every day still. I, I have I have so much, much passion and I'm always interested in something. And that's why I feel lucky and uh, mm. that I have this job where, there's so many uncharted territories mm. and all I need to do is just carry on and just keep, keep trying to find something interesting for myself. Yeah. On, on that note, what, 
would you say to somebody who is feeling uh, burnt out or demotivated and just can't find <laughs> the yeah. willpower to practice? Yeah. I would say you guys need to uh, open your shelves, find out that contract that you signed uh, where you signed this offer to become an artist. You know that those bank contracts when you get a mortgage or something like that you have this long contract and you read all the terms and you go oh my god this is sounds exciting right like two percent in 10 years nothing and then you sign the contract and you never check those asterisks right the little stars which says like <laughs> you gotta pay this and that so i always keep joking about it but for every artist those asterisks thing if you read them it actually says you will always first you will always self-doubt yourself because no matter like what projects you work on, you always go like, man, maybe I'm not that good, right? Because every project you do, you raise the bar, right? Like you work for bigger companies, for bigger money, for bigger projects, and you work with much more talented people and you just get stressed. Like I, mm. I know my artists, like fellow brands who are like working in the top projects and I go like, dude, like on that project i felt like i'm not doing a great job and they was a man i felt just the same right so it's like a never-ending thing and yeah. also the the second one i mean the list actually is pretty long we're gonna limit ourselves on those two so get people don't get demotivated by becoming an artist the second one obviously <laughs> is the burnout right when you do certain things and this is like a very common problem mm. because there are so many like aspects to this first after like five years working in the industry, your dream was to work on these movies, right? You got into it, and after five years, you realized, oh man, this is actually the same thing all over again, right? And then you get in depression mode, thinking like, oh, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. So it's inevitable, and people have different degrees of that. But for me personally, because I have so many things I'm interested in, let's say I'm not working on a movie I like, but I have my personal time where I can sculpt, I can draw, I can go back to basics, revise some of the fundamental stuff that I, was, I wasn't good at. So my recipe for that would be swapping uh, subjects, right? For example, let's say you, you draw like, and you don't feel like you are progressing enough or fast enough or not all you like plateaued, right? Like you just, or even like de degrading, right? Like, Sometimes it happens as well. You just got to swap and do something else. Sometimes okay. you just need to leave and do, don't do anything. Just mm -hmm. do something completely non-related to art. Right. I, but trust me, if, if, if there was a, I stopped reading those books, right? Uh, where it goes like, oh, 30 ways to make yourself happy or like <laughs> 69 ways of being a professional, right? This is those <laughs> magical numbers. I'm, again, I'm making it up, but great book. Uh, I, I just stopped reading those because they all say the things that you exactly know, but you're not just doing them, right? So, like for example, yeah, exactly, exactly. They say like the same things all over again. Balance it out. Uh, like keep like uh, challenging yourself on different fronts. Like make plans and stuff like that. And <laughs> yes, you just right. keep not doing that. Yeah. And also, I guess part of it. Is just letting it go. Well, I I learned this uh, like recently, where you just have to accept. You have only limited time. You have also life, which is art is just part of it. Mm -hmm. So you have to let it go. No need to be really harsh on yourself. And what really difficult to realize for a lot of people that we are all different. Like it took me 
we did the math. It took me like five or six years. It took me four years just to get my first drawing that I felt that was good enough. It took me probably another two, three years to get my first job. So for me, it was like six years after having a degree, after spending so much time on something else. So it, it it's quite uh, depressive, isn't it? But for someone, it could be two years. But then there, you would also have cases that for someone, it would take 15 years. Mm-hmm. So that's the number that scares off a lot of people, you know. And I naturally understand that. Like, it's just a lot of effort. And then you end end up not achieving what you're doing. And then you see examples of people who did that. So there's a lot of things. You just need to let it go and not... This is, in the end, just 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 a job, you know. It's not like something that will affect you in a long way yeah yeah i i I sort of um yeah i i find that when i'm feeling burnt out and just like oh i can't do it it's just not there it's it's a couple of things that can help one is yeah taking a break as you said and just Mm -hmm. kind of going like removing that kind of expectation that you have on yourself to like constantly improve constantly it's just kind of Mm -hmm. like maybe i just need to take a break because yeah i've spent sometimes months just pushing through it thinking that no it's daily practice and then i look back and i go well actually i didn't really learn anything because i was just burnt out (laughs) Um, that's true but then also just doing something for fun just goofing around and doing something that you don't intend to share with anyone else that is just like i'm just gonna make a spaceship i'm just gonna draw a sexy lady for the hell of it you know like just something that is just like you want to do for no other Mm -hmm. purpose and then it can kind of like reinvigorate that like, yeah, I'm making something from my mind and I'm visualizing it. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, I don't know. Those two things help me. Yeah. Hopefully agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, uh, yeah, sort of going back to, um, all right, we talked about the, yeah, sort of the, the, the curriculum of, of mm-hmm. people learning things. What would you say are some of the biggest myths or wastes of time in concept art? I don't know. I, I bet there are a lot of myths out there. So, <laughs> well, maybe I don't just, know. just I like things that artists focus on that are a waste of time or not not important. Ah, uh, waste of time, not important. Hmm. I don't know. I think like if I go back, I would just repeat the same thing about. Uh, like learning everything because yeah there are a lot of things you got to do but first you need to sort of really find out again concept art is a very broad uh profession as well you can be a character concept art you can be mm. environment uh, card, uh, art, uh, concept artist you can be like props uh designer there's so many things and uh, the biggest mistake i see where people just spread out and just trying to learn everything and it just takes enormous amount of time but then at the same time that's how you start out. You learn like some general things and then you start narrowing it down as you get into industry. Mm. I don't know. Like, I mean, I actually recently there was a, a Facebook post. Someone posted about what, like what are the common uh, uh, concept art myths that are out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I read it and okay. it was funny, but I, I don't remember any. Uh, one of them was like, how people would show like a, something that they worked on for five days and say it was a quick sketch in production or something like that. So oh, yeah. the quick, yeah, yeah. the whole quick sketch thing is quite a fan. I think we all did that when we, we would do something and post it as a label, it as a lunch sketch. So I don't know. I just, <laughs> I stopped paying attention to those a long time ago because I just let people play with it. You know, like if 
because a lot of times artists don't even know what to say they just copy what they saw from another guy because we all like it's as a collective derivative. sort of yes a collective society we sort of see oh this guy is doing that let me just uh, like repeat what he's doing and what she's doing and then but then you break out at some point and you doing you start doing your own thing so mm -hmm. i don't even think about those things anymore it's i think i'm too old for that i, I just do what <laughs> i like uh the myths and stuff i also consciously decided very early days in my career i'm not getting involved in any kind of dramas you know art society is very dramatic you know you say someone said something right and then this whole yeah, yeah, shit yeah. storm happens it's i don't know my... social, i think social media has just kind of encouraged yeah, that promoting these kind of anger mm -hmm. anger inducing posts that get a lot of yeah. reactions and comments um, it kind of encourages like, people think it's a yeah good same thing. happened with with nft market isn't it like oh you support nft that means you are this you're not supporting nfts that means you're this i i don't know i when nfts came out because i i, I don't know my i don't, didn't know much about it i was just observing the scene i i minted my nfts i put a very high pri price tag because i think if someone wants to own my art you gotta pay some good bucks nobody bought it which means nobody values me as i thought they would value which is totally fine then i'll just keep working on my stuff and like i'm i'm not even bothered anymore i'm not following the scene i don't even know what's happening there but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So, yeah so but again i i was very as usually very positive of what could potentially become out of that mm. uh with all the ecological sort of stuff well the whole cryptocurrency stuff is doing that by get-go so this it's just pointless to get in in conversations and me not being involved that much i i i naturally just don't get into those kind of conversations and i just do my own thing yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But, i but think it's healthy it, i think yeah it's it, it you can i mean obviously i mean people are screaming at their screen no the the environment matters it's like yeah yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. but, but you can also go too far you can there are people who are, you know, starting campaigns against someone, an artist mm -hmm. who has started selling NFTs. And it's like, is this mm -hmm. the best use of your time or anyone's time? There's probably other things that the, the energy that goes into that is not free. It's not never yeah. ending. Um, anyways. That's true. But yeah. again, it's it's personal choice. If people like this, having healthy discussions online, totally fine. That's why we have comments and stuff like that you you do occasionally get some unexpected anger and that's weird like that all that was weird to me when i was starting out my career but then i just got used to it and i like from one of the most fascinating one for me would be if you do something good and it looks good people start looking for a cheat right <laughs> yeah, uh, like yeah. let's say you do a great painting and they go oh you, where did you copy this from right oh you I recently I had this incident on Instagram. I don't want to bring it up, uh, I, but it was I was just accused by stealing someone else's work, like which I never did actually. But again, something looks nice. good. People just expect something illegal happening in the background, right? Like let's say you did a fantastic, beautiful scene, right? You spend so many hours doing that, and then they go, "Oh, well, show me the wireframe," right? Right? Like it it's almost like <laughs> yeah, yeah, devalues yeah. it you know but trust me i don't think a single time I, I i replied to any any of those comments if people want to know something very specific i'm i'm always more than happy mm. to help like yeah. for example I, again if someone emails me asking me hey 
how do you do bevel in Blender? I'll just reply Control B, and that's a very productive conversation. But <laughs> if someone throws in their personal sort of experience on something and mix it with what I did and start accusing me of certain things, that's a little bit too much. Or like, occasionally people just come up, come with too many like complex issues and throw at you, expecting you to. It's almost like you. You have to reply to it. No, like I, I have my personal life, and and you know a lot of things that people occasionally ask is something that you can figure out by just common sense, right? Yeah. That's also another aspect of having followers and being on here. That you probably know better than me because you have way more of that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's 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 quite tricky occasionally not just to go like how like, but people do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh... I don't know. People say that the uh, the arts community is so welcome and accepting, and yes, but it's also got a really toxic side. <laughs> it's it's it got a lot of uh, people just looking for a fight, um, which, yeah. as as you've said, is is yeah. You know, if you want to, you know, have something to entertain yourself with and pick a side and a sports team mm -hmm. and this person was accused of plagiarizing this person but this person says mm -hmm. no you said something to me at a conference it's like yeah this is just like reality tv almost <laughs> you know mm -hmm. it's like like remember we're we're supposed to be creating we're supposed to be having fun at the end of the day yeah. and getting better that's what most people want um that's true but the instant gratification usually comes from uh, <laughs> something mm -hmm. else which can be uh something that will profit the social media companies and not us <laughs> that's, that's true that's true yeah that's why like people have conversations i'm not i'm not saying we shouldn't be having those people feel have a need to say something sometimes that's totally fine but it's just like i, I felt like the moment you don't react actually makes them even more angry like like angrier you know <laughs> so sometimes just your silence there's a temp, there's a temptation to to do to say something back but then you just know like if you just don't say anything it will just wind them up yeah, yeah exactly I, i've learned to uh i mean i've fallen for it a many times someone sent you a mean tweet or something like that and it's and it's like because it's not true like they've assumed yeah. something and then they've accused me and i'm like other people are reading what he said and they think that what he said is true about me and it got 30 <laughs> likes it's like but that's false so you jump in there and then it's like oh and then a discussion starts now everybody's yeah. twitter's like promoting <laughs> it to everybody else it's like no why did i reply <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but uh cool. yeah anyway so, yeah, yeah sorry in, in in a nutshell you you will have a better chance to get a response from me if you just ask me how to do technical question better. How do you do yeah, a I'm, I'm, Yeah, control, control B, and then you just use your scroll to get some subdivision. And you can do cool stuff. That's awesome, uh, man. That's good. I, 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 I admire your positivity and your... Because it does, it does require focus to... Because mm -hmm. you can't focus on everything. You can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And you have to prioritize what is important to mm -hmm. you right now and your long-term growth. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think you got the right idea. <laughs> <laughs> you got your head screwed on right. It's nice. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the business side of things because, of course, mm -hmm. uh, we talked a little bit your your plugins and your tutorials. Mm -hmm. uh, you also have this business called Big Medium Small. Yes. Um, which tell the folks what that what that is. 
Well, it all started very naturally, you know, it, just like my add-ons. I would have some certain things I would do, I would want to do uh, in my, I, w- I would want to implement into my workflow, but it just wasn't there. Like, for example, same with add-ons, which is, I love this sort of rough approach to things where I simplify everything. And that's why we hooked up with Alexander and we did quick shape and now uh, we did quick texture, which is super useful. Uh, it's basically, we wanted tools that will simplify the workflow, purely give us it gave us pure, purely like concentra- ability to concentrate concentrate on like design aspect of things. So we did that one. Mm-hmm. Same with Big Media Small. I always wanted to have like some really quality assets and also characters as well. There there are some programs you can do characters like Dash Studio, but obviously when you have a very specific design in your mind and specific sort of genre, like like you get this quality, but it's all over the place, right? And also quite expensive as well. Like you can get a very, very realistic good models, but they just cost tons of money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to give, like I'm working, let's say on post-apocalyptic pack. I wanted to offer people like a pack where you get everything. Like you, you literally get big, medium, small shapes, big, like you get buildings, then you get characters and then you get textures and then you, you, you have like, uh, set dressing items like barrels and like uh, like wrecked cars and stuff like that. So we started, and we also like it was me and Oleg, friend of mine. Uh, he lives here in London. So we decided to do some people on big medium small. It was no, it was two of us when we started out. Okay, so but now it's we, how many? Uh, it's around 10, 10 of us. Yes, Whoa. we have some freelancers coming in. Mostly right asset now, artists. I would say we are like Swiss knives, you know, it's all oh, really? like, we all, we all have this twisted stories, right? We have like a Houdini guy who picked up Houdini like recently and he became like Houdini genius. We have a, a guy who would be like Oleg himself. He was working at poker stars. He was an art director doing those slot slot machines and stuff like that. But then some, but he's a fantastic, phenomenal, like crazy, great artist, like just knowing uh, mm. everything like a little bit of everything. So we, I think we we just love what we do. And I know this sounds very trivial. You better love what you do. But we, I think we can spend, we can go another five extra miles to make sure that we deliver the best product that we are able to produce within the given time frame with the given team, you know? Yeah. And we can constantly raise our bar. We Like first we started with characters where we're just doing like, and then all they all had like baked poses, right? Which I thought like for concept art is great because you just drag and drop. You don't need to rig and use yeah, like yeah. rigging. And then people were, oh, these are great, but we want some rigs, right? And it's like, okay, we did the second pack, which all had all the, the, the rigging system we implemented and stuff like that. But then people were asking, oh, could you do environments? So with the next one, we started doing environments. And like with the latest one, we actually like the Lost City one, which we released right lately, is completely sort of modular. You can mix mash it uh, together in Blender, or like we already have Unreal projects, so you can start putting things in Unreal. So every time we do that, we just keep raising the bar and just again keeping the same thing in mind. We want to give people this big, medium, small approach where you almost have a world like a genre you're working on. You get that pack, and you can pr- pretty much do anything you want with it instead of like investing your money and time into different resources it just becomes very expensive and yeah. uh, we're trying to close that gap there basically and, and getting assets that match is uh, exactly so important yeah i'm i'm curious the uh what you say the 
A lot of people don't realize that business is, it, you, you think like, it's, it always starts with like, I'm just gonna sell a little pack of this. I'm gonna sell like mm -hmm. an add-on or something. Mm -hmm. And then you make a lot of money from it. And then you go like, great, I'll hire another person. And you go like, all right, hire another mm -hmm. person. And then you, you do this and then you suddenly realize like, oh, this person's got problems with payment. They've got a, <laughs> you've got a, what about holidays? What about time off? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you gotta dabble with the website, right? You're using, um, mm -hmm. What is it, Shopify you've got at the moment? Uh, we, we use Squarespace or something like that. Oh, Squarespace. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got, like, I want to be able to customize that and make changes. How have you managed this transition from creator to businessman, <laughs> leader of a company? How's that going for well, you? Well, I, I don't think I'm, like, in pure sense businessman. Uh, I, okay. I just... I, I still love the making those products, right? So we're still working with the team. Like I obviously I don't know as much they as they do, but I see the overall picture much better mm. uh, in some cases, and I I know exactly what needs to be done when it comes to this sort of managing part of it. I absolutely don't like doing that, so I'm just trying. <laughs> uh, we have Michaela who help who's helping me right now she's a fantastic person she does a lot of things on our instagram and stuff like that so mm. the website is another pain because we started very small we only had one pack like right now we have like three packs that are coming out soon so oh, really? we gotta reconstruct wow. reconstruct that thing so it works perfectly so we I'm, I'm doing some prep work on that as well uh yeah it's tough it, it is very tough and again it takes so much time to do certain things yeah and uh, there are so many different fronts where you have to fight on. So it, it is difficult. But anyway, let's get back to it. So yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, I find managing part of it is quite quite tricky. So uh, and the key would here for me is just getting right people involved. And like Michaela is, she's brilliant right now. She's helping out with a lot of things. Hopefully, as we go, we will grow the team and we will uh, have much more people helping us out with this. Yeah, where do you see the future of uh, big, medium, small? Is it going to be a, a big enterprise, big asset library it, it, with unlimited well, subscriptions? If, and if we if we keep doing that, yes, we will shift. I understand like every pack. We 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 set quite a high bar for our quality. Like comparing comparing to our competitors, we are probably the most expensive yes. one in terms of the. But it, it's but quality worth it. is it yeah, it's quality and quantity <laughs> and and variation you get and modulation, and also like. My goal was always it the, it needs to look both on promo materials and when you scroll and zoom in, it needs to hold up, right? I'm I'm very confident with a lot of our assets. Like you see the renders, they look great, but also when you scroll in, it looks like exactly like it was advertised. So that was very challenging. Like for example, for buildings, how would you go this about this? And we have a lot of like cool things that we develop. Like for example, let's say you've got a big barn, right? Like in the Wild West. Do you use procedural texturing, which kind of looks great on the building, but when you zoom in, there is no dirt and no, like, whenever, wherever objects are touching each other, there's no occlusion, dirt, and stuff like that. So how would you tackle that? So we spend a lot of time, or like, let's say you do procedural sort of texturing, but how would you avoid repetition, you know, so you don't, you have wooden planks, but they all look different and stuff like that, but still mm. having mm. the texture size big enough to be able to sustain the sort of the textile aspect of it so it's not blurry and stuff like that but a lot of, of a lot of stuff like that goes into it and some of it is just researching trying to do a lot of r d uh 
but in terms of where it's heading towards, I, I do agree at some point we will offer a subscription model because you can't just buy like 20 packs, packs for that given price. It would be just too much. Yeah, exactly. We'll just switch to subscription part, yeah. uh, subscription model, and then we'll see how it goes from there. But yeah. for now, you know, our biggest dream is just to keep growing it. We Like every pack we choose, is always about something we personally love. Like we did the medieval one because I like that one and Oleg as well. The second one we had to do was post-apocalyptic one because as we are all from ex-Soviet Union. We didn't even need any references <laughs> for that pack, right? It's all in here, right? So, because yeah, all the kind of destroyed buildings and the weathered sort of uh, dirty gas yeah. masks. I saw that thing, those things in my in oh my, my life, God. right? So we don't need that. So we did for Wild Wild West. We actually had the very uh, perfect plan to actually go to the U.S. to like proper Wild West sites to do a lot of scouting, textures, and stuff like that. But then COVID exploded, right? We couldn't uh. go. So we we did it remotely, and I, we actually figured out that. All the textures that in that pack, actually, uh, uh, Alexander and Jocelyn from our team, they shoot, they shot it somewhere like near Moscow in a village. So we realized that wood texture looks good, equally good in Wild West and somewhere in Russia. Right? So, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's just wow. you just need to kind of adjust the contrast and the saturation, the hue, and it just yeah, looks yeah, good then enough. it's desert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for Lost City, we did extensive research on mayan incan uh inca mm. and aztec culture we tried to do something that looks authentic and good enough but then mm. again we were accused accused for stealing plagiarism what? like a lot of yeah yeah it's just never-ending story oh my god you, you just got yeah. this drama crowd following you wherever you go yeah <laughs> well people have the right to say that we, we put our soul in we just loved like exploring those yes and we also never colon colonized anyone we've been the people who've been colonized all the time so I think <laughs> we, it, well it was it definitely wasn't culture appropriation on on opposite i think it was appreciation because we tried to like if it wasn't us it nobody would create it as we did it right like it would be yeah. just on pictures but now people could come up with like worlds exploring the assets we had based on mayan and incan so i i look at the this way if someone got offended by it I, I, people have right to have opinions but i was very positive when we were making it and we are not some people accused of cultural appropriation well i mean oh, yes <laughs> i mean wow i mean like, like i try to like you know understand you know the different critiques that people could have but like not i, I can't think of anything that matters less than cultural appropriation in that aspect that is that's yeah. that's reaching that's really reaching my god yeah well Fun. you live you live you learn so we like for example we we were like at some point we realized like man we just got males male characters and they're all white which is true like i'm not a white person i don't know if i like i i think i lost my identity i don't know who i am anymore because my mom is half russian my dad is half something so it's like really hard to say what ethnicity i belong to i mean obviously looking at me you could probably tell but uh we we realize we we need to have more female and white and uh, like uh color characters so we started uh like the the next pack we're doing we have 
diversity basically and it wasn't forced it wasn't because people like accusing us on something we just felt like it's the right thing to do and even when i did we did post-apocalyptic pack usually like post-apocalyptic characters or just characters in general they have some english names right the john or whatever like the classic english name is i was like no we can name them as tajik people so every character there <laughs> is either tajik or like kyrgyz or some some somebody i knew from my oh, childhood awesome. so I literally took stories of those guys and sort of every character had that story. So there is a point. I see the point. Uh, and uh, again, there's no excuse not to ex- listen to people and try to sort of explore different aspects of what we're doing. So we, we're willing to do that. There, there's no bad intention in any of stuff we've yeah. been doing. I, I think, yeah. all the way, by the way, I think we were talking a little bit earlier about the um, der- derivativeness of of art mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you go to art station and you can kind of just kind of feels <laughs> it can feel a little inbred sometimes <laughs> everybody's <laughs> just copying each other's themes yeah. and concepts yeah. but i actually noticed whenever i find somebody who's like really innovating and creating like yeah. inventive ideas and styles or mm-hmm. like they're usually Russian. I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, I, I, I saw your post. I think I saw that. I, okay. I think I saw I, that was a Twitter you posted. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, some yeah. time ago, isn't it? I don't know. It's interesting that I, I in a way, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But also, we are terrible at monetizing that skill. Like, I see some... <laughs> yeah, it's a given fact. Really? Right? I mean... Wow, you okay. you would imagine the artists that you find who are like super crazy creative, they must be like doing well financially, right? But most no, of those guys, not, right. they're not because we're, we've, we're basically, it's still the legacy of that Soviet Union. Oh, at least this is the way I explain myself. Maybe there's another reason for that. We There was no purpose of being super creative because you don't get paid more. Like you can be super creative, but everyone was paid like relative equal money right mm. so opposing opposed to western cultures where the more you stand out you can actually monetize it right especially with these days with social media you can like see like clearly how it works mm. right if you if you stand out if you have ability that people are willing to follow you for you can somehow monetize it it could be a skill it could be just you being it's not just you can be entertaining or you could be skillful you could be strong you can be fast and you do those things right and you would imagine someone who is very creative should be doing well. Oh, man. And unfortunately, it's not the case. Like, I, I know yeah. artists, like, there's a couple of artists. Again, I don't want to bring up any names. But, like, you look at the art and you go, like, holy smokes, man, you're so talented. You must be doing, like, at least a book or something like that. And you ask the guy and he goes, like, ah, no, it's just my hobby. I do it in my spare time, right? So I think, like, the, the way I found myself someone in the middle, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm not. I don't say I'm super innovative and talented and I do like crazy things, but I found that there is a, people who actually want to see this sort of stuff. And I started doing my own products uh, using my ability to come up with certain things. So it is a skill, you know, it, again, mm. like marketing and selling yourself as an artist uh, is a skill that needs to be developed. In terms of like, I would say on average, when you meet I'm, if I could just throw in a theory about that, I would say exactly because 
like Russian speaking countries in those countries, people don't know how to monetize it. They are not afraid to experiment. You know, okay. they just go like, ah, I'll spend five years doing these weird paintings, right? Mm-hmm. In Western <laughs> cultures, it's a little, it's a, a bit more, it, it's a, it's difficult because it's different because in Western cultures, you, you can't sustain this, right? Like you no. have to be able to do a living. You have to but for sell. Example, I, I, yeah. yeah, I saw this when I, uh, when I um, came here uh, in London, I saw this happening at work. Like I, I would have my colleagues who are, they will get paid and do the job, but they didn't have interest to keep going. Because it was enough for them, you know, they were like making enough money and they were happy with what I was quite, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was, I, I still had the baggage of these habits where I felt like I need to do more and more and more to sustain myself and to be able to grow and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, that could be just, it's just my theory. I don't know. I wouldn't say like, it's about talent. We have talents everywhere. It's just. A lot of people in those type of countries, they just do it because they're bored, right? Like they, they have, <laughs> man, there's yeah, some like yeah. fantastic yeah. artists, like uh, a lot of artists, like 2D artists would know Sergei, Sergei Kolesov. Mm. He used to like fantastic, you probably know his work. He's like super creative, super fantastic artist. But he used to work in factory, in carpet factory, uh, creating these patterns, like little patterns you see on carpets, right? Yeah. And then someone saw his work like, dude, what the hell are you doing with your life? And then he got invited <laughs> to France. He worked on really? Dishonored 2. Yeah, he worked on, on Dishonored 2 and a bunch of other projects. Uh, just talented dude. You know, there are some other guys like, uh, yeah. So that's probably, that would be my theory. That's Yeah, that's an interesting theory. I hadn't considered that. You're probably right. So somebody else's theory was that... Um, uh, and I noticed this in Korea as well, like wherever there's like a language bubble um, huh. or a, a specifically in Russia, a culture bubble because yeah. it was sort of disconnected from, I guess, the rest of the Western world for a long yeah. time. It kind of had its own thing sort of bubbling and new ideas there. But I actually think you're that, that uh, um, not no uh drive to monetize does sort of lead you because yeah like i was just thinking like yeah if i if i was an you know like an artist like what i'm making is stuff that needs to be bought it has to if i need to get yeah. a job somewhere i have to make i have to show i can yeah. do characters i have to show yeah. i can you know do concepts or environments or yeah. things like that if you're just doing it for fun you would just do whatever the hell you want and that's yeah, usually but, but, whatever you dreamed up that night and yeah. <laughs> it's that's really good that, theory. That, I like that, that. That could be a very solid reason. You know, again, like a lot of West, the way you sort of invest your time, just like you explained earlier, you sort of try to predict where it goes, right? Like you go like, okay, what's my product, right? Like it's almost like, I know, it, I'm not saying that or this is bad, right? Or mm. this or that is right or vice versa. It's just different cultures. Yeah. I find myself... Uh, enjoying myself when I balance them both. Sometimes I like uh, last year before COVID exploded, I actually left my work. Like I just wanted to do sculptures because I, I this is something I want. I still want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because I like it. Okay. I have no purpose. But then I started putting like uh, producing those VR sculptures, and companies were getting in touch with me. Like, hey, dude, could you like sculpt something for us? Like, we want to put it into gallery. I was like, well, hold on, guys, I'm not ready yet to do that. Right? <laughs> I'm just, do I'm just really? doing this for right. fun. Yeah, I was. So the 
this sort of Eastern European sort of mentality of me wanted just to explore and do this without purpose. But then the Western sort of part of me somehow was like already calculating how it could maybe I can do this for a living, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a journey. I don't know the reason why that's happening. So I would say talents are everywhere. The problem with talent, any sort of talent, talent is never a talent until you accomplish something. Like, for example, friends of mine who look, who I, I'm with touch with these days, and if my name is being brought up, of course they say, oh, yeah, we knew Jama is talented, right? But damn, nobody was telling me this 15 years ago when I was in a miserable state in my university. Being, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Be, be, being accused of a terrible student, uh, being accused of my grades being awful and stuff like that. No one said that I was talented. Once you accomplish something. And so this is the, where the dilemma is, right? How can you get that motivation to accomplish something in, if you only get credited when you accomplish something? So it is like yeah, a never-ending yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah, best way to do this... Yeah, it's just let it go. You know, like I'm getting older, I think I started thinking more about things like happiness and stuff like that. Very abstract <laughs> things that so I think money does make you happy for sure. Yes, it you can buy certain things easier not thinking about it, but you can buy a computer it, with four thirty nineties. Yes, and <laughs> like uh, you. People don't know the, this, but Jama has one of the the I can't think of anyone know anybody who has a, a better machine than you it's a yeah. what was it like 20 grand or something <laughs> Four thirty nineties inside hot damn yeah it's quite expensive well i, I again <laughs> I, I i i was in a very mediocre machine for a long time and i felt yeah and uh, there is a, a, a like sometimes again just as a joke people would throw in this subject i would say when i was like remember that period when i was learning uh, digital drawing and painting i had this one computer and at some point, I had to back home uh, to Tajikistan, and I was working with my brother. And I had this computer because he didn't com have computer at work. Yeah. I have to travel with this computer every day to work. Like, and just so you know, it wasn't iMac. It was the whole big ass computer with the desk, with the tower, with the monitor, with the mouse and the keyboard. So every morning, I would board that. I would get a taxi, put that all in, go to work work there and i wouldn't leave it there because i was still working at home just practicing drawing and painting so i will go back home so i did like a year of that mm. so that's a dedication right so i think i deserve like four three ninety cents yeah oh absolutely just, man just no i think just, it's just, smart i think it like it. i i said it i think in a recent video but i was like there's nothing like in terms of like investment there's you couldn't really get a better bang for your buck than a better graphics card because yeah. you can if you've got a 3090 and you just went from a i don't know nine something or whatever you know you yeah. you are able to preview the scene much faster so the amount of creative decisions you can make in an eight hour yeah. day is now multiplied by eight or ten or whatever so yeah, yeah. it has a huge impact so it's absolutely mm -hmm. worth the two grand or whatever it is you paid for yeah. it um but yeah, <laughs> well, we've got to cool. probably uh, finish off because we're getting yeah, getting yeah. to the ninety-minute mark. But uh, yeah, where can where can people find you and your your businesses? Where can they buy your stuff well, if they're interested? Uh, well, you can they can check my stuff out on ArtStation. It's just ArtStation slash Jama, and 
Uh, obviously, my main product project right now is bigmediumsmall.com. It's very mm-hmm. easy. And then we, we do also create add-ons, which you can find on my Gumroad. So with add-ons, we've been on the radar for some time because we wanted to make sure we nail everything. We had some bugs here and there. And also like Blender being have, updating their like oh, yeah. versions every, every <laughs> yeah, nice. three months. We had to keep keep up with that. But I think now we are in solid mode. We were actually thinking of doing streams, showcasing. There's a lot of quick, like really cool tools that we created. I think a lot of artists will find handy. Yeah. So, I didn't realize yeah. you had like, was it like four different plugins now? Yeah. Start with quick, quick texture, quick shape. Yeah, really quick old. shape, quick curve, and quick deform as well. So Yes. Yeah, anyway, I'll yeah. put links to all of those um, down below. But, Are you on yeah. Twitter, Instagram as well? Yes, I'm on Instagram actively, instagram.com slash jamajurabayev. So awesome. Instagram is fun. It's all right, I'll put it all there. Start. Well, thanks, awesome. Jama. Well, th- thank you very much for doing this. Again, we did it three years ago, but I think, yeah. <laughs> but this one's published. Uh, yeah, hopefully, finger, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. And yeah, guys, thank you very much for sticking around. 